Hello, and welcome to the Action Shooting Show. This show is sponsored by Primer & Co. That's uh, PrimerAndCo.com for all of your 2A apparel. And you'll notice this is a little bit differently. I am solo tonight. Uh, I couldn't get anybody else uh, free. And so I thought I'd just tackle this show on my own. So this is going to be an after-action report on the Great Lakes 3-Gun Championship. So um, just got back a week or so ago from that. Um, I ended up going and shooting, and then they needed some help, so an extra people around, which happened. So I, I stuck around for the rest of the weekend and kind of helped out with ROing, like just kind of going around different stages helping people making a lot of memes for Three Gun Memes, which is the uh, Facebook group that I run, and um, just having a good time. So, uh, let's get into this. So, first thing, match flavor. Um, you know, kind of what, what you expect when you go to a match like this. This is my first year shooting it, um, the second year that it's been run by Mark Tukasik and his crew, and... Um, it was run by someone else in another range first, but um, this range, this was Bass and Buck, is in Wabash, Indiana, and um, it, it's a natural terrain match. So if you've not shot natural terrain, their three-gun matches tend to fall into two categories, and, and sometimes there'll be a blended of them, but you have bay matches, which, as the name suggests, are in small, you know, smallish bays, like what you think of like a USPSA match. And um, if they don't fall into natural terrain, or the, um, sorry, if they don't fall into a base stage, then you get into the natural terrain, which is typically running through the woods, hills, fields, so it's a lot more open. There's not always defined berms, 180, you know, you're kind of working, as it says, the terrain of the land. And um, the Bass and Buck... Uh, where they're doing this part, they, well, they have a traditional range, and one stage was on, like, the long-range part. Most of this is taking place at, um, in the woods. So they have a huge 3D archery range there, and a bunch of bays. It gets, um, while northern uh, Indiana, northernish Indiana, tends to be flat, this is, like, they found the only terrain in all of northern Indiana, and there's a kind of a creek river gully that goes through. There's actually the Wabash River that's one of the back property lines. But um, there, there's a lot of elevation there. So a lot of small hills. And um, the beauty of that is that you can be shooting into this way and there's a big natural berm and then you shoot this way and there's a natural berm and you kind of have a safe way to have a very dynamic stage. Uh, very few of these stages were flat. Very few were straight. So, you know, the... Uh, 180 was constantly moving, so you may start shooting this way, and then you kind of take a hook to a 60 degrees, and now the 180 is there. So um, I don't know that anyone had any 180 issues. It's it's all pretty clearly defined. The one thing that you don't get a lot of in natural terrain is options, and this was definitely the case here. I I don't think there is a single optional target the whole match. So a lot of times base stages you will get, um, Three Gun Nation was good at this um, when they did their base stuff, but you'll get a stage that you start here and steel is shotgun, you know, bird shot or pistol. Paper is slug, 
rifle or pistol, and clays or shotgun only. And then they'll have that laid out, a bunch of targets everywhere, and you just you make your own plan up. What makes sense, a lot of times you get multiple people running different stages, kind of playing to their strengths. Um, this match was not like that. It was start here, shoot these targets with this gun, transfer to this gun, and so on. You know, there was there's definitely different places you could maybe shoot things or shoot them on the move or stand still. So there's options in that way, but um, it's pretty prescribed. So 180 issues are, you know, there's not really 180 traps or as long as you're smart about it, it wasn't an issue. So that was awesome. It has been a long time since I have shot a really good natural terrain stage, probably since, or uh, matched probably since Rockcastle closed down in, was that 2019 Pro-Am, I think. <clears throat> so, natural terrain stage. Um, had on-site camping, and they had a lot of um, food and kind of little event things going on, which um, kind of harken, kind of remind me back of the Pro-Am. You know, a lot of people, the big reason you went to Rock Castle Pro-Am was, and Rock Castle in general, besides the great natural trains and the shooting bays and, you know, the big matches, is everyone stayed at the hotel. So when you weren't shooting, you could walk down to the lobby, the bar they had. I mean, all the people you knew were there. You'd go outside on the porch. People were in rocking chairs, talking three-gun, talking, you know, bourbon and whatever. So they kind of had this natural, this real cool environment. Um, Bass and Buck, because a lot of people camped on site, and they had a bunch of picnic tables, and they would have, you know, lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner this year, I think. And um, so it kind of had that vibe. You know, when people when the shooting was done, there was a place to stay and hang out. So even people that had, like, uh, hotels or VRBOs and stuff elsewhere would still kind of hang out, you know, at people's campers or up near the main lodge area and um, hang out there. So that was uh, really neat and something that I've been missing in um, Three Gun. A lot of running gun matches, people will camp or hang out a little bit, but um, it's been a long time since I've I've had that ability to just to hang out with other shooters. So um, that was really cool. And then the food, you know, being able to they had Jeremy Swarford there um, cooking up inc incredible food. Uh, I'm still uh, they had a blue he made a blueberry cobbler that I think he like actually cooked on like a smoker or something. But I only got a little bit because I'm. Not a huge blueberry fan, and I really wish I would have gotten more. That's I'm I'm never gonna regret or not regret not getting more of that. His his smoke, get pork, smoke. Uh, yeah, just it was uh, the food was great all weekend long. Mark's wife cooked a bunch of food. I know for the ROs and the people helping out, they had like breakfast burritos one morning. I mean, just very neat that they offered that. <clears throat> all right, so that kind of covers the maybe the general match flavor. Communication. Um, so, leading up to the match, um, well, a couple of interesting things that, that, I, that I thought was really cool. So, they don't do a big shooters meeting. Normally, the day of the match starts, everyone meets there like way early, and the MD goes through all of his, you know, the safety stuff you need, the logistics that you're going through for the day, um, you know, maybe some sponsor stuff. All that general stuff. Instead of having everyone come there early 
in this big crowd and people are talking and then half the guys aren't showing up because they've been to 600 safety briefs. Um, they actually did a Facebook Live safety brief. So like a little bit, a couple days before the match or whatever, they did Facebook Live. You could actually, if you had questions, you could you could put them in below. And if not, you know, they did the whole thing. You could watch it afterwards at your leisure. You didn't have to watch it live. So that's that's really neat. That's one kind of cool thing. Um, there was a matchbook. I've kind of got, I, I print this kind of stuff out. So um, it's got, you know, a lot of what you'd, you'd want. It's got the um, match schedule. You've got kind of a matrix of who's shooting where on what day. This was an AM, PM match schedule. Kind of a hybrid because of the amount of squads. Um, they had great maps of the property because being natural terrain and there's a lot of cart paths and um, it could be easy to get lost. Um, and there is some caveats. There's some one-way traffic. Um, because of the nature of this, there was a couple stages that like if you were shooting stage two or three or four, you well, two, three, four, five, six, you had to go past stage one. So you couldn't go when they were shooting. So there was some orchestration with that. And then once you got back there, you kind of had to keep going in a linear line. So they had, you know, that kind of in there. And then camping map. I mean, it had pretty much everything you want. They had the rule set, you know, all that. Which I like the simplified rule set at the beginning. Be safe. Have fun. Be helpful. Don't be a, a jerk. So that's should be all that you need. But then they go on to, to more stuff, divisions. And um, the sponsors all uh, in there, which um, let me get that because I, I, these people need to be thanked. Uh, American Defense, Trijicon, Weber Tactical, Code Evolution, RCA, Schumann Barrels, uh, Timber Creek, Innovative Targets, Faxon, Easy Loader, Caddies, and Trigger Tech. And they do something unique, so um, I, I think this is probably a lot of value to the sponsors. They have specific sponsors for specific roles. So Trijicon's the optic sponsor. American Defense's rifle and optics mount. Coda Evolution, that's one of my sponsors. That's the handguard and comps. RCA's bolt. So instead of having like five bolt carrier group companies, or just going and soliciting all these different companies, they kind of pick and choose who they're working with and who's providing what so that um, if there's a bolt carrier group on the table, it's an RCA. You know, that's another one. I mean, I use, gosh, one, two, three, four, five, I, five, six of these products I've, I've used personally. So, but it's neat that they kind of give that value to the sponsors. And, um, but yeah, thank, thank you to all those people um, that those, without these matches, we, without sponsors, it's hard to have prize tables. And while I just like shooting for shooting sake, it is cool bringing things home. Um, I ended up pulling a uh, fax and handguard off the prize table. So um, I kind of, it was ran, it was order of finish for like the first 10 and then it was random draw after that. I got there a little later and they happened to have that and that was something I could use or can find someone to use. So um, I thought that was, that was really cool. So let me get here in my notes. So the, um, the and the prize table was pretty good. I mean, the, right now things are weird and um, the, Firearms industry is kind of crazy, so having any prizes is, is really cool. So I, I definitely want to thank those those people. And 
especially innovative targets. Um, he, he was out there the whole week. Jason was out there the whole week um, helping set up. He was one of the MDs. He created these special targets for the match. They called them, uh, what were those? Wall, or, uh, tree? Shoot, I just forgot the name of them. They, they actually, they bolted them onto the side of a tree. And it was basically an auto popper that you could attach to a tree. Tree hangers, I think. So, you know, like one of them they had as a shotgun target. And then there was a slug. So, like, on my stage plan, I'd bust that. And it, you know, hit and swing. And they'd call hit on it. But it, it was a neat presentation because it put it up a little bit higher than what you're used to shooting at. And not right, you know, when things are on the ground, you're used to looking at the ground for targets. This put it a little bit higher. higher and you really had to... Remember that it was there. So um, that, that was really cool. I'd, I'd like to see that at more. So, uh, yeah, communication, the matchbook was good. They did not have stage descriptions or, you know, stage layouts in there. Um, some people really like those. I've never found them super useful. And in a natural terrain stage like this, it would be really, really hard to do that any kind of justice. So, um I didn't mind that it wasn't there. Some people may. So I guess if you're someone who likes to have that, keep in mind you probably won't. I'm guessing they won't do that in the future either. Um, for those who haven't shot matches, you will sometimes get all the stages like laid out. Um, something like a USPSA match, it's probably pretty good because with beige you can get a little bit better idea. But even then, they're rarely... Rarely do they get set up the same way as in the picture. So you may have extra targets. You may have less targets. It kind of gives you a general idea. You know, if you look through and you see something about, like, weak hand shooting, okay, well, I know I'm probably going to have to shoot with my weak hand, so I better practice that. But but besides for, like, kind of odd things or maybe obstacles or different shooting things, props, that I, they're not all that useful. So I, I didn't really mind it not having it. Um, there was a lot of daily email update so um they as they saw potential to make things run smoother and, and i think some of this i saw being on the ro side but they see things that they could better improve or get kind of organization they would send out emails hey these squads we need you to here to line up at this time so we can get you to where we need to go or things are running fast or behind or you know whatever they kind of sent out some emails here and there um if you weren't on your phone to see that I could see that may be frustrating um, and, and I'll say I once I start shooting a match unless I pull my phone out to give it to someone to videotape I rarely am messing with it or getting emails and the reception is not great so it, it's a good thing but it, it's not super reliable but I, I thought that's a, a good thing to try to do because if you can get a couple people to see it um, the rest of you know squads will talk if I see, hey, they want us to meet here, I'm going to call my buddies in the squad and say, hey, did you get that email? So the word eventually does get out. All right, so that's communication. Um, gear I ran. Um, and I'm kind of, this is a, I'm kind of trying to keep this consistent to other um, after actions we've done on matches. So... And maybe a little bit, not not real different from what I normally run. My Stoger M3000, I've run pretty much almost in every match since I started. So nothing strange there. 
Um, it ran pretty good. I had one or two malfunctions, some slugs, and I, I, I don't maintain it real well, so that's the big thing, but it ran pretty good. Um, my uh, Rock Island Armory Double Stack 1911 that I've kind of done some work on. That That's the pistol I normally shoot. That's what I used. That ran great. So um, nothing kind of crazy there. Uh, rifle, I did run my 16-inch run-and-gun rifle. Instead, I've got an 18-inch um, that I normally run in three-gun and uh, with like a Trigicon AccuPower on it and like my coat of handguard and muzzle brake. And that's usually what I run. I kind of ran into... I'm using a different load than I have been in the past just, just because of ammo availability and I didn't have good chrono data or a zero on that gun with this new ammo and there was a couple shots that were a little bit further out so um, I decided to use my 16 inch run and gun rifle because I've got chrono data on that the weekend before this I had been to a match the um, Guardian run and gun and had made like made a hit you know, first round hit on a 530 yard target. So, and I had dialed, so I knew, I knew my dope was good. So I thought, you know, 55 grain for long range is not ideal, but I've got a good zero. It holds pretty good groups and, and I've got good data. So I ended up using that and um, it worked out. Rifles, pistols, shotguns, as long as they run uh, and you, you know, the zero and you're comfortable with them. I, Gear's not a huge deal. You know, I could have used my 18. I, it w Not knowing my zero pro or knowing my holes, it probably wouldn't have worked any better. So, um, yeah, that, that's got a, you know, same thing. Coda handguard and um, I think I've got an EOTech Voodoo I'm borrowing on that. That that worked pretty well. It's, it's an okay scope. But, um, all right, so let's start going over stages. Uh, stage one was shotgun and long range rifle so so shotgun rifle um this is actually where we started when i shot and i was the first one to go up which is not usually ideal but it is what it is so um you started in the back of like a deuce and a half they had like a starting line you had to cross over and then you start shooting shotgun targets on each side um you're shooting that you're walking down the ramp they've got you know you're loading they had some of, um, I think the innovative targets called them the Cletus. It's a little hanging target that they you, you hit with shotguns. So it's got, I don't know, one inch, two inch, that probably a two inch target on a little hanger. The ideals, idea is if you aim and you get a good pattern on it, they just spin over the bar. And if you don't aim, you just barely like shot that would trickle a falling steel off, won't spin this. So those were kind of neat. Did pretty well on that. Once you're done with all the shotgun, there's like an aerial clay. You dump the shotgun, you pick up your rifle, and there was like two and two really close paper, which you call like a burner target. What I liked, and this was all throughout the, the match, is anytime there was rifle paper, especially open rifle paper, I don't, there wasn't a whole lot of, I don't know if there was any no-shoots in the match. If there was, there wasn't a lot, but they were the mini Ipsics, like the half Ipsics or quarter or something like that. So, while it was still a wide open target and you could shoot pretty quick on it, you you kind of had to respect it. You know, if you just went in there just burning, it, you may miss. So, um, they had that. Then, like a cattle gate, you had targets at 88, 
towards it. So basically it ended up being like around 100, around 300, 500, and I think they had a single target at um, 600. Or there was, yeah, there's three, four, five, and six, I think. Because at, at the 400, I think, three or 400, there was like three targets or whatever. But um, so yeah, that was a fun stage. I shot it okay, but um, got my hits out to 500. So I was glad that I used a scope with um, good dope, you know, or a uh, rifle and round that I had good dope on because I, while well, I struggled a little early on kind of settling down, um, I actually got a little bit better as, as it got further. The 6.30, I ended up leaving. I, I think I took three or four shots at it. I ended up, my reticle actually runs out at 5.50, so I had to dial up six mils, and then and then I could hold the center of the reticle, and I took a couple honest shots. I I didn't make it, so um, so that was um, stage one. It was a lot, it was a good it was a good stage. Um, two, you kind of go down this riverbed area. It's a big open field. That was all three guns. So you started rifle, and there were some close rifle burner targets. You kind of run around. When you start to get to this hook, there was a barricade, one of the hedgehog barricades, like tank traps. You had a couple paper there that you shot, and then you had a spinner at like 90 yards. This, I would not have thought at the time, started a little controversy after that I'm probably never going to live down. But I was the last person to shoot on that. And uh, I just saw people go to war with it, just left and right. People that are shooting about the same skill levels. We just not spin it and go on. Couple guys spun it. Fastest guy saw spin it was like 25, 30 seconds, something like that. So watching that, I decided, you know what? I didn't shoot rifle that great in the first stage. I'm going to go up. I'm going to take one shot at it, and then I'm just going to go on. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, if, if I if I go to war on it and I burn a bunch of ammo and then I don't spin it, I've got 20, 30 seconds plus 60 seconds for the penalty. It's I'm not feeling it today. Which is odd because I, I don't ever have a problem with rifle spinners. The last five or six rifle spinners I've shot, they've all gone over. Um, but just that day, that time, I just decided it, it wasn't worth it. So um, but my thought was I put one shot down range. I'm losing 60 seconds. If people are taking 30, you know, 25 seconds, 20 seconds, I'm losing 40 seconds. So I'm just going to take that. So, so that's what I did. Had a couple offhand shots after that. And, um, you, there's bar another barricade, or a wall that you shot two targets, and, like, the offhand shots were, like, 120, 140 yards, so that was, that was really cool, that's something you don't see in a lot of matches, um, so, yeah, you shoot that rifle off the wall, or the elevated roof, you dump it, you go to pistol, and, uh, they had some targets, you know, knockdown targets, they had some, uh, yeah, a couple knockdown targets, and you get a little further, there's a couple more, like an inline plate rack, and then they had, at some point in here, they had two targets at probably 50 yards, and they were fairly big, uh, like steel challenge plates or whatever, but it's kind of neat, because it would be easy to forget them, for one, and it is a good poke, so if you're, you know, if you're used to hitting a couple, like, close paper, like, they did have some close paper, too, so you're blasting at close paper, some smaller targets, but then you kind of got to rein it in to, Get a good sight picture, get a good squeeze to hit those 50-yard targets. And, and like I said, I think I went one for one on them. They weren't hard, but you, you definitely had to respect them. Um, 
a little bit more paper and steel, you dump the rifle or the pistol, then um, it was shotgun from that point. And they had a bunch of knockdown steel targets. They actually had four bigger poppers that they had set heavy that were buckshot. So if you didn't shoot them with buckshot, they probably weren't going over. So that was kind of neat because you either had to candy cane or already be loaded for them. And um, like I missed, I, I missed one. It didn't go down. So I had some spares. So I was actually able to load a single one and knock another steel down and then hit that. And then you ended with like a, a clay or two and a, a maybe a clay with a, a spinner or a Texas star. So um, that was stage two. And all these stages, if, if it's the description sounds long, they were fairly long stages. I mean, you were shooting for... 90 seconds, 100 seconds, you know, 140 seconds if you're not as good like me. So, um, they were definitely long stages. The whole match was like a 240-second par time per stage. So, um, very doable. But, you know, if you were a newer shooter and not as experienced, uh, I tend to fall like mid-pack. That's where I ended up, was mid-pack. So, um, if you're a mid-pack shooter, you would finish them with plenty of time. Like, you really wouldn't be pushing the par time. But the faster guys are... Definitely do them quicker. Uh, stage three is all shotgun. <clears throat> so that's an all shotgun. I mean, you had you, you winding your way through the woods. They had some logs kind of in the way that you had to step over, and they were on the left and the right side. And <clears throat> they had you a couple of those Cletus targets that were actually down, like um, you're shooting down kind of a hill into a little ravine, and you had to shoot down at those. <clears throat> With those, they had a couple slug targets. They had uh, three slug targets kind of broke up in one from one position and two from another. Again, you're shooting downhill for those, so that kind of adds some challenge and difficulty to it. And then um, you finished off, you know, some more on your left, and uh, I think there was another Texas Star and some clays and like a plate rack or something like that. So um, I forget how many rounds, 30, 40 round shotgun stage. But definitely a lot of fun and um, as all shotgun stages. I, I did fairly well on it. It was early in the day. I didn't burn anything down, but I, I was happy with it. Uh, stage four. You finished that and you went to another stage. It was kind of an open field like stage two. Uh, you started in the back of a Ford Ranger. And um, you had a couple paper targets that you could shoot from there. Kind of the challenge here was they had a rope hanging from that so after you shot the paper there was three targets that were out at a hundred ish 120 140 that you had to shoot like they had two lollipops that were probably six inch and then a diamond um shot actually i did started off really well it kind of went to crap after that but um shot the closed paper actually i didn't see a lot of people do this when i rested on the rope i actually leaned against the um bed of the truck so I went one for one on all those long range real, pretty quickly, so I, I was happy with that. I jumped down, and my chest rig, I lost a bunch of shells that happened to be slugs that I needed for later in the stage because this was a, a rifle shotgun. So, yeah, lost shells kind of threw me off, ended up rushing through. You, you would get up to a barrel where you're dumping the rifle. You had to drop your magazine, take a single shot at um, the diamond shaped target i believe so you're clearing your gun out i forgot to do that at all just dumped my rifle picked up the shotgun you had some targets kind of hidden in the grass um there were some slug plates that 
you engage from wherever you could see them. One of them was easy to shoot. I think there was three of them. So one of them was easy to shoot kind of early on. So I candy cane, you know, I had to put, actually, since I lost slugs, I didn't have as many as I thought. I had to put a single slug in, shoot that. And then you kind of wound back around. It was kind of a weird stage, but, you know, you're shooting on both sides. Clays and knockdowns and all that. So you wind back around. Then you've got a plate rack and those two other slug targets most people were shooting from, from there. So, um, again, it was a fun stage. There's tons of movement. You covered, I mean, you probably covered 100 yards or more, 150 yards winding through the whole thing, switching guns. So um, that was, again, that was that, a lot of these stages were just a blast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, stage five, that was pistol rifle. You started off with pistol, and um, you know it's kind of a pistol jungle run. You got shots on, like I think you started off with a couple on paper on your right side, and then the left side you had some steel. Then you'd switch again over to stuff on your right side. They had um, some knockdown steel, and then or um, like auto poppers or, or static steel. You had a spinner that was on the other side of a creek for pistol. This was the first of the pistol spinners. There was a good deal of spinners in this match, and um, besides the one on the rifle, which ate a lot of people's lunch, the the two pistol spinners in this match ate a lot of lunches. Um, I got it over, not as quick as I would have liked, but got it over. Um, finished shooting. I actually, there was one more target before you dumped your rifle to go to the pistol. I shot bolts or the slide locked back. You know, I had to dump it. I, luckily, I got an A, so I neutralized that. And then you had some rifle, some real close rifle on each side. You dumped that, and man, if I'm thinking, you may have even had shotgun. I think you had shotgun at the end of that, a couple shotgun targets. Um, it's been a little, I'm a little bit fuzzy on that. Um, but um, again, they're just jungle runs. You got targets on each side. You got to remember where they're at. So, um, six. Stage six is a shotgun and pistol spinner. So this one, you, it's shotgun, then a pistol. So you start off with shotgun, and you got like a target or two on your right. You got a spinner on your left, and then a couple other targets. Um, the shotgun spinner was really not much of a challenge. You had just stuff hidden in the woods, left and right. Um, one position, you had like a plate rack with shotgun, and then you actually had two flip-down steel that were pretty well hidden in the woods. Like if they weren't obvious. If you didn't know they were there, you weren't going to see them. You'd finish, you hit shoot those, and then up in the tree they had these, um, I think they call them birds, but just steel targets hanging down from the limbs. So you had to actually shoot up in the air with shotgun to get those to move and dump your shotgun, pistol, and then, you know, same thing. There's there's paper here and there. There's some knockdown steel. Um, towards the end there was a plate rack and then the spinner, which this is the second pistol spinner. It ate a lot of lunches too. I got it over all right, but... Um, it just, I don't know if it was the, what it was, the weather, the grease they use, just people haven't shot spinners in a while, but the two pistol spinners and the rifle spinners all just seem slow. You know, I talked to the match director, Mark, they, they lubed them all up before it, so, you know, it may just be my perception, because I haven't shot them a whole lot in a while, but, um, you know, you put hits on them, and they just seem slow to get going and real quick to die off, um... But got that done. So, you know, I, all these shit, I, I had a couple decent stages, a couple good sections. And then, like, as, as 
the day went on, my pistol kind of fell off, so that, that didn't help. All right, so after that, you had stage seven, which was an all-pistol stage. So this was like 40-plus pistol targets hidden in the woods. Um, and there were some real narrow trails. Um, unfortunately, you know, I shot it all in one day with the ROs, or almost all in one day. The um, We shot it during a downpour, which is fine. It happens. I've shot in rain plenty of times. It just happened by the time I got to shoot. The visibility with how hard it was raining was really, really poor. And it was really muddy at that time, so you're kind of slip sliding around. Um, luckily, I shot it clean. There was a lot of targets that were easy to forget. Um, like you'd start in and you had some steel in the woods and a little bit more steel in the woods. And um, you kind of came to a little clearing and they had targets on this side of the creek, on that side of the creek, up high, down low. Uh, at that point, you know, you shot all these different ones, and then you had to drop your magazine, and they had a, a target that was the shape of Indiana on the other side of the creek. So you dropped your magazine. It was like a high value. You had to shoot. You had one shot at it. So I, I actually got that hit. Then from there, you had like a little run to a different section. And the reason they did this is because you're, you're kind of running up range of other people. So your gun was completely empty there. So you run up range. Once you cross the stick, you can load up, and it's the same thing. There's just a bunch of steel and paper hidden in the woods. And uh, you kind of shoot that stuff. You come to another little clearing, and you've got, like, steel going down the edge and, you know, another one of those, like, that's up in a tree that spins or that moves. And uh, you shoot that, kind of come around a small curve, and you had two knockdown or a flipper and or a popper and two static steel or whatever. So... End up being 40-some rounds, or 40-some targets, I went through quite a bit of ammo through it. and I, Like I said, I shot the whole thing clean, but being in the rain and sliding around, it was it was, it was was pretty slow. So I wasn't happy that I engaged or shot everything, but not super happy with my performance on that. And then last, um, we actually ended up not shooting. As ROs, we didn't shoot stage 8 on... Friday with the rest of the ROs. Our squad was running a little bit behind. There's actually a little bit of a hill and it was raining so hard and the trails kind of got muddy. We had a van and a truck get stuck. So um, we got them out and we just all made it up on, on Saturday. We would, I'd go relieved or people would get relieved or when they were done ROing, they'd go to stage eight. So um, stage eight was a shotgun rifle. <clears throat> This one, um, and I, I worked this one for a little bit. It, it was kind of fun. There were some <clears throat> interesting things. So you start off with shotgun, and same thing, left, right. Got to remember what you're doing, where targets are hidden. They had some uh, no-shoots, some, like, red steel that then they had other steel near, so you kind of had to know your shotgun pattern. They they had that at other mat, uh, other stages. I forgot to mention that. One or two other stages had some, just, just a red flipper that, if you didn't know your pattern, if it knocked it down, that was a, a penalty. So you definitely, you were like shooting fast, but you know, a couple of them were close enough. You, you had to hold off and kind of edge hit it. So that was kind of neat. And you'd, you'd shoot down on each side. You'd come to the dump barrel and they had one of those hanging targets, the um, tree hangers. And you still had a slug plate off. So I think what I did, most people did, is you'd shoot everything else. You'd get up to there. You still got a bird shot in your um, chamber. 
So you load two, four slugs, however many you're loading, and you shoot that target up there and hit that, and then you had, you know, your slug was called up. So you had a slug played at like 50 yards. Not not a BC target, I think. It was definitely doable. Dump your shotgun, pick up your rifle, and as you're coming up, you've got a couple of those small Ipsic targets, mini Ipsics that you had to shoot. And then um, there was kind of a ravine there. So you had off to your left, you had that slug target and, or that something else, a rifle target over there. I think it was one of those other hanging. And then across the ravine, if you were in that position to see it, there was um, what they call the, the lollipop, the hidden lollipop. So they had, in a similar place last year, they had this six-inch target that if you weren't in the exact right position, you were not going to see it. Uh, it created a lot of fuss and a lot of crying, and you know people were saying, well, this is an unfair target presentation and yada yada. I didn't, I didn't shoot it, so I don't know. But what they did this year is they kind of cut out, I think with Buckshot, they cut out some of the foliage there, but they put a backer behind it, just like a white or yellow backer or something like that. So I'll say from working it, you know, helping out there and seeing it throughout the day, if you hit the right position, you could look right across that little valley and it was plain as day. And it was 140, 150 yards maybe, if that, it wasn't too bad. So you'd shoot those two, and then if you went to second position, there was two targets down at the bottom of the valley. So you did kind of have to get in the right place and look down or else you weren't going to see them. So you finish up with that, and um, that's right, there's pistol on this too. So you dump your rifle, and there's some close pistol, and then you shot like the slug plate, and then the other target that you had shot with rifle earlier, and then they had a plate down in the valley, that like one or two plates down in the valley that you shot. So um, that's kind of a breakdown. I didn't want to go in like super detail with all these, but it there was a lot of variance. Uh, you really, you had to, you couldn't just be looking straight ahead. You know, you had to memorize where targets were. You'd have to remember there's targets up and down. I thought um, Jake Tukasik, Mark's son, is the main match designer for this match. And um, I thought he did a phenomenal job of really testing all the different skills that I think you need for, for three gun. You had offhand rifle, you had positional rifle from barricades and different, you know, impromptu positions um you had places where you could make a barricade like um shooting those ones down in the valley there was a tree because it's just in woods so you could rest off of that and shoot down in the valley and get a little rest um but yeah you had position where you had some close stuff but close stuff that you still had to pay attention to and aim you had um pistol same thing you had longer pistol targets closer pistol targets some smaller things that you had to really pay attention to some plate racks that you could, you know, really just, you know, bigger targets that you could really just rail on if you're a good pistol shooter, the spinners, um, shotgun, same thing. You had stuff you had to know your pattern real well. Um, there wasn't anything super far. I think I shot most of this match with IC and just, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I didn't knock any um, no shoots over, just as long as you know your pattern, you know, those, um, you did have some precision stuff like those Cletus targets. You didn't name, they weren't going over. So, um, 
you know, and, and you had reloading with all the guns. There was no way you were going to get through this match, even as an open shooter, without reloading your guns once or twice on the clock. So um, maybe not rifle if you're if you're if you threw a D60 in there or something, you could probably get through without reloading. But um, it was just a really really good test of what I think of just everything it takes to be a well-rounded shooter. So um, yeah, that was that was nice. Um, Scoring, um, I forget why I had it. It's normal, you know. Um, I know at one point they had something they had to go fix because ROs were scoring them incorrectly between stages. So um, I think it had to do with the Cletus. They were treating them as spinners and not like just a statics or a fall down steel target. Because um, I know Mark put out an email like Saturday night explaining what happened and how they were fixing it. Um, I, yeah, there's nothing to, you know, talk about with scoring. I'd say my overall impression is that it, it was a really fun match. Um, there was, like I said earlier with, um, me skipping that target, it kind of on online, you know, I was making jokes about it. People were kind of giving me crap about it. I've, I've never skipped a target in my life. I've always at least, shot multiple rounds, you know, really giving them an honest effort. And this, maybe it's going to be the last time I do it because I'm never going to live that down. But, um, yeah, there was some, there was some crying and a little bit of, um, whining about the spinners. They were tough. It ate a lot of people's lunch, but it was from someone who was around the whole weekend. When we shot them on Friday, they were really, it seemed really hard to get over. When I watch people shoot them on Saturday and Sunday, they seem still really hard to get over, but doable so um i i think for the most part it was a fair match it was just just yeah I, for whatever reason whether it was us or the targets they they're mgm targets so they're kind of the standard for spinners i mean that's what most people are used to seeing so um you know but any match has its little things um and i don't really have a lot of complaints about it you know there was a couple things i mentioned i saw and i kind of mentioned a mark after the fact like areas for improvement but nothing that's a deal breaker I, I plan on going back next year shooting i'll probably go back you know i plan to help out if they'll have me and um because it, it if you haven't ro'd a match or or helped out in a match and i think when you talk about volunteering in a match people think about like running a timer which is an important job but you know if you're new to shooting they're not going to put you on a timer you, you, maybe it's running the tablet. Um, a lot of matches, if they have an extra person there to wrangle shooters and make sure people are ready to go, that's ended up if a stage was falling behind, the match directors would like give me a call, say, hey, go to stage seven, they need help. And I just go over there and help clear guns, move them up to the, you know, move them off the course when it was done, or maybe it was just every once in a while, like as the day goes on, people start to get a little slow with reset. Maybe it's just kind of hollering at shooters, hey, you guys. Only one guy's out here reset. You guys got to get your butt in the gear. Or, hey, who's up next? No one's standing here ready to go. That kind of thing. Just get people going. But there's always some job you can do. If it's, it's not running a timer, it's like I said, it's running the tablet, which is which is super easy. Could be wrangling people. Um, I stayed at the, um, the sighting range for a little bit on Saturday just to make sure that when people were going down range, no one was shooting. And then, you know, I was there and I kind of helped out with some people that needed help sighting, you know, whether it was getting my binoculars out and, you know, calling their shots on paper, whatever it is. 
So um, there is a ton of job bringing people lunch. You know, getting on a gator and their you know UTV and taking lunch to people. So if you've not worked a match, I highly recommend it. And if you're newer, you know, like you can get to the match and you can be a scorekeeper. You will learn a ton watching the faster guys run through the stage and see what they do different than you. See, you know, there's just tons of little things that you can learn from doing that. So, so I highly recommend it. Um, I definitely recommend the match. So, um, I don't know if you shot it and you have differing opinions from me or I left something out that you think was really cool or really lame or whatever it is. Um, feel free to comment, send me an email. Um, you know, I would put this up on um, YouTube for the visual, but it's also on like all the regular pad, pod apps. Um, we've got our Facebook page for it and an Instagram. So I, I've got an Instagram and Facebook and I'm, you know, I'm all over the place online. So hit me up, hit someone else up that's, you know, usually does this, you know, Mike or Mark or Tiger, or whoever. Get, give us your opinion. Maybe, maybe you thought something different. Maybe you got a different takeaway from it or... Whatever, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what other people shooting the match thought. Because I, I know the people that I hang out with, what they thought. But there's a ton of people there that I hardly know. So, um, definitely let me know. And uh, let me know about, you know, uh, topics. What you want us to talk about. If, you know, the length of this, I know I'm like at 45 minutes. Maybe you want these shorter. Maybe you enjoy it and want me to, you wanted me to dig in more in depth on the stages and make it longer or yeah, I, I don't know. So if, if you listen to these and you're still sticking around for this, uh, give me some feedback, give all of us some feedback so we can make a show that is interesting to you because we're kind of doing this for the, for the general action shooting sport community. You know, there's, there's the three gun show. If you're into three gun, there's tons of USPSA podcast. Um, I don't think there's much for running gun short of, uh, Jimmy nuts. Um, after action, you know, videos he does with like his match. Um, but we, there's a lot of people wanting to get into the sport and we want to help them do that. We want to help matches that we've shot, you know, people that in a year from now, if great lakes is coming up, someone can find this video and say, Hey, I wonder what great lakes is about. Well, here's a good idea of what this year was about and probably next year, most matches where they're at kind of dictates the flavor. So, um, match directors they all kind of have their own flavor and um you know this um kind of has hints of like blue ridge i've never shot blue ridge but from talking to people you, you've kind of got that these real long i think blue ridge tends to be a lot harder than they make this but you kind of get these long stages with a lot going on and targets all over the place and having to know where to look for them and hit your marks and that kind of thing so um well i think Blue Ridge is a much bigger version of this. I think uh, there is a little bit of that flavor, you know, more so than like the Pro-Am, which kind of had shorter, not real long stages. And even if they're a natural terrain, it was a little more Bay-like still. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, again, let us know what you think. And um, if you haven't, go to primerandco.com, www.primeco.com. I think I missed an R there. P-R-I-M-E-R-C-O dot com. Uh, 2A apparel, t-shirts, um, coffee mugs, hats. If you're a woman, they make a real cool ponytail hat that's got a lot of, you know, women design. All the shirts are designed to be worn 
I have, you know, they have women's shirts that are made for women and men's that fit well for men. You can carry a gun. Um, but yeah, let us know, and I uh, hope this was uh, informative for you. Have a great night. Bye.